Welcome to Private Banking Strategies Podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks, your secret weapon to protect your assets and never have to start over financially again. Vance and Seth help high net worth individuals, families, business owners, and investors structure an asset-protected, tax-free fortress for their families. Learn how to keep what you earn and use the velocity of money to create your own private banking system. Join us on this journey as we explore the secret strategies of the rich and political elite and help you take total control of your financial security. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Private Banking Strategies with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. Right off the bat, audience, I'm going to tell you this is a two-part podcast and this one is incredibly important to make sure that you're listening to both parts. As we were talking before we hit the record button, Vance and Seth were both telling me kind of how this is going to roll. And from my understanding, and Vance is going to correct me if I'm wrong, but the first podcast is really going to be about uh, kind of setting up the story, setting up the example, what's happening in it. And, and they're talking about putting equity in your home to work for you. And so we're going to have that. And then the second podcast is really diving deep into the numbers and the mechanics. So you don't want to miss that one. Vance, did I miss anything there? No, I don't think so. I think one of the very best things that uh, our audience could do right now is to literally make sure they have maybe a, a small calculator and pen and pencil because they want, might want to follow the math. One of the things that we're going to do is literally prove to all of us that it's not so much what we don't know about money that's hurting us. It's all about what we think we know about money that's incorrect. It's really stopping us from uh, succeeding. And so the title of what we want to do today comes from uh, an example and a client who didn't think they had any money at all to start the banking and, and start the process. And one of the things that we go through, go through and ask the clients to do is to fill out an intake request form and put their numbers in. Seth, maybe you could explain kind of that, that process a little bit of, of what it takes even before we get to that, uh, and then just what they can expect, uh, how long it's going to take them to fill that out. Sure. Well, I mean, one of the great values, Eric, that, that uh, comes to people using private banking is how they can wipe out debt. And so it's really critically important when we start to analyze uh, client by client that we get their specific facts. So it's a, it's a simple balance sheet on our intake request form assets on one side liabilities on the other we want to know what assets you have to put to work we want to know what your debts are uh, credit card debt mortgage debt auto debt uh, student debt and then here's where the magic comes in is when vance gets those numbers and is able to analyze those he pre presents an eight-year roadmap with a, uh, a proprietary algorithm that helps analyze how to use your bank and attack your debt if you have any or how to best invest it to grow your wealth with the most rapid uh you know, po safe possible way that you can. And um, the great thing about it, this asset intake form takes about three minutes, probably. I mean, some people depend on how much you have. So it's really easy. Okay, well, let's just, uh, you know, put our seatbelts on and uh, start this process. We're going to give out a few facts 
uh, with this clientele. Um, again, this uh, client came in. She uh, uh, is married, got two kids, cars. Uh, she's paying uh, expenses on her cars. Uh, they bought a boat. They have a mortgage, and they have credit card debt. And they're bringing home uh, roughly around $5,000 per month. And her father set her up in this system. He just happened to be a branch president at one of the local banks and set his daughter up. He had five children. Uh, the daughter here was, I think, number three or four, but seemed, according to her, was his favorite. <laughs> they come across Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, and they went to the NNI, which is the Nelson Nash Institute, found somebody here locally in Texas, and they called me. And as we went through everything, they were a little um, depressed because all their money was going out. They really didn't have much. Well, we actually have that sheet, and people are welcome to uh, to get that. I'll let Seth uh, uh tell us to everybody how they can acquire what we found on this intake request form for them. And it was actually quite simple. They had a house that was worth $300,000. Their existing mortgage on it was at 195. That's how much they owed on it. They had two automobiles um, one was worth 18, one was worth 21, and the remaining balance was 9,615,000 and some change. They had a boat. Now, boats are kind of <laughs> lost leaders anyway. They don't hold much value. So they thought the boat was worth 17,000. They owed 10,000 on it. So the house payment was around 800. The, um, um, Automobile payments, uh, 368 400 boat payment, $400. The credit card payments, about $500. But the minimum on the credit card was 239 So Eric asked me the question why I want to know what the minimum is on the credit card. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm kind of curious about that myself. Why would you want to know the minimum? One of the th secrets about success with money is following correct principles. And we all have heard most of the correct principles, but we physically and mentally choose not to follow them. One is never spend interest, or excuse me, principle. Never, ever, ever spend principle. And the second rule right next to it, don't even contemplate breaking rule number one. Okay, but all around us, everyone around us spends principle, so we've lulled ourselves into thinking it's okay to spend principle and wonder why we can't succeed. And then we go on. You're supposed to have a financial plan, and you live by it. You set your goals. You live by it. You try to reach them. Many, many things to lead toward financial success, what the average person decides not to do. Well, here's one of them with this credit card. If... We're never supposed to get back, um, give up principle. Why would we let go more principle than we would need to if we can keep it in production? So we like to know what the minimum is because it doesn't go plus or negative whether you pay 
a dead off early or late or, or earlier than than the normal time you can do that anyway but much more powerfully and much more quickly if you hold on to the principle longer okay another big philosophy is uh being able to get the money back where we show people all the time how to get back a hundred percent of their monthly expenses and people right off the bat and some of our listeners they oh yeah right yeah uh-huh but it's true but it's not the way you're thinking today and if you could and if you believed you could get it back you would never be spending principal at that point right so all these things come into play when we're trying to accumulate and capture money to start up a banking system and a new strategy to convert to that we'll never look back on. So I've outlined the home, for instance. Uh, we look at that because all of a sudden we, we see that the value of the home is 300000 We owe 195000 Therefore, there's $105,000 worth of equity in that home, Right. So there's a process in uh, setting up or being able to access the equity in your home. Because right now, um, Seth, tell me, how much um, do we make on the equity in our home each year? Well, it depends on if you put it to work or not. <laughs> if, yeah, if it's just sitting in our home, you know. It, Zero. You make nothing. It. Okay, most people are under the mistaken um, value system that our home is an asset. Now, let me give you the pure definition of asset. An asset will put money in your pocket. A liability will take money out of your pocket. Equity and the value of the home has nothing to do whether um, you don't have any anything to do with the value of the home. It's either going to go up or down. Uh, depending on the market value. But if we could access that money and get more than 0% return, we could make an advantage of that. So it's a very, very powerful tool. And the tool I'm talking about is a home equity line of credit. Uh, so, um, Seth, define for the audience out there uh, instead of a home equity loan, what's the difference? What is a home equity line of credit? Well, a line of credit is uh, an instrument that allows a homeowner to tap into the equity. And you go down to your, uh, your local bank, or you can go down to a local bank or credit union, and they appraise your house and they give you a certain percentage of that in equity based on your ownership percentage. And you simply uh, tell them, send the money here when you want to pull out equity of your in your home. Okay, that's that's a perfect example. It's like getting a checkbook on the equity in your home. So let's say the equity uh, line of credit is fifty thousand dollars in this uh, situation. That means it doesn't cost anything to set up a home equity line of credit uh, maybe you know sometimes i'm hearing that banks continually to always get greedy so maybe they'll charge for the uh, appraisal but there's no cost to it and there's no expense on the ongoing line of credit unless you actually borrow money and here's a tool now that you can borrow principal 
pay it back, borrow it again, pay it back, and borrow it again. So lines of credit as well as credit cards are very powerful financial tools. Number one, for emergencies. Number two, for opportunities. So with that background, we're going to go forward here, and we identified that we're going to take a home equity line of credit, and we're going to use some of that along with some other little assets. They did have $10,000 in savings. Again, she was following her dad's instruction for emergencies. You keep $10,000 in the family bank. And um, he was gifted some mutual fund um, stock, and it was $10,000. It had grown to $10,000, so we earmarked that. He had an IRA, and there was $25,000 in that. And we're going. he was contributing to his 401k $600 a month, and we're going to earmark the overpayment with the credit card, which the overpayment part was six, um, 261 or $260. So now we have all the figures and the numbers for this client situation. Let me tell you a little bit about how we're going to put this to work. But before we do that, I want to lay out where we're headed and some missing education which has been denied to the average American on purpose. Do you see yourself in that story? Do you feel like you are generating a lot of revenue but are not moving forward as fast as you would like? Are you ready for help? Please call Private Banking Strategies at 817-200-4777 or visit us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com. Okay, this education has been withheld because the banks want the power. Um, Seth, tell me, normally in the average American's life, who ends up with the money? The bank, centralized banks. Do they always end up with the money? Sure, because that's where most people house the money. I heard a nasty rumor that there was a day that banks give away free money. Eric, do you know about that? I knew about free toasters, but I don't know about free money, Vance. You know, I can't find it either. I can't find out where the banks give away money. Now let's turn their economy, their strategy into our everyday life. Here's here's a phenomenon. We we don't know that we're supposed to be running our family units. Either whether we're individuals, we've got we're married, we've got kids, whatever else. Just like an economy, another word for that or example is just like a small town. Money has to flow in town and there has to be an economy there, right? It, it, it does. So money has to flow. Picture a, a little town and it's attracted new money, gas stations, bakery, whatever else people come through. They're famous for a couple of things and people stop and they buy and that attracts new money. Well, on the family side, we go to work every day. We work hard for the money. And we want to end up with 
our fair share. The problem is, is everybody else is ahead of us, the government, taxes, everything else, and we end up with what we call principal. The problem is, are we going to act like a bank or are we going to give the money away? A town that loses more money than it gets in, Eric, what would happen to the town over time? Okay. And what would happen to a town if money doesn't flow from store to store to store? Yeah, it goes bankrupt. Yeah, it goes bankrupt. It's the same thing. But picture, we just, you know, this month, town got $5,000 in it. And this $5,000 started bouncing all over town and stayed in town. It went from, from the grocery store over to the car dealership, over to the doctor's office, over to the laundromat, over to um, restaurants or whatever else. And every time a dollar of that 5000 stopped at one of those stores, it generates another dollar's worth of product or services. That is what's missing in our life. We have to move money. So we need to look at our own affair, and this is what I want to, to bring up here. And feel free, you guys, to, to comment because I have to generalize just a little bit here. What would it take? Let's picture something that our listeners here, this is something you can literally picture in your minds that you've got a friend or me or or seth or or, or eric um we come across an idea that we think we can really expound and make money on so we do all the math we do the homework we do all the studying of what it's going to take to put a brand new little company together and run it and so we do the budget and we decide in this instance that this business is going to take from our own personal assets that we've got to put into the business $10,000 a year to keep the doors open. So this is a small business. Um, normally, um, Seth, why don't you run uh, through this? What, how long it takes for a normal uh, startup company to make a profit? Well, I think statistics show that four or five years to sh before a business is going to show a profit, and that's a good one if you get going right. So the first year that we put in ten thousand dollars, would you say what would you say the uh, kind of year that we had for a startup year if we were able to pull up back fifty five hundred or six thousand dollars worth of profit? Sounds pretty good. Do we have a pretty good startup yeah, yeah. year? First good year. Not too bad. And the second year we put $10,000 in, if we could pull out 7500 are we headed in the right direction? Yeah. Yeah, it's better than going backwards. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. And in the third year, about 85%. And then the fourth year, depending on how effective we are, anywhere from 90 to 100%. Okay. That's how we need everybody to picture setting up their own bank. We use a special life insurance contract. If put together correctly, forms the perfect private bank. And it's set up with different components in order to make that happen because government tried to intervene back in the uh, late 70s and put in some mandates and some laws because the banks were afraid people were rediscovering how money works. Because so many people started taking their pensions, all the, the in lump sums, 
and immediately doing a single-pay life insurance policy and living off of the income, the, the dividends, and the uh, guarantees income tax-free for the rest of their lives. And it was far better than any other way of doing things. So they had to literally change the rules, and they called that a modified endowment, and they put percentages. So we follow those percentages right up to that, we're going to call it a modified endowment wall, okay? Because that's what it is, that if you break the law or that rule, then everything is going to be taxable and traceable. If you don't break the rule, everything is tax-advantaged and private, not traceable. So it's usually about a 60-40 split uh, in order to get there. And what's really interesting is that ordinary whole life insurance, the stuff that Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, and these people think, say, are worthless, follows the average business model. You know, cash value starts about the third year. And, become, and then grows and becomes popular at that time. People don't want to wait that long. So we put a, a, a small percentage in there, as small as we can, in what's called ordinary uh, life insurance. And then we supercharge that with what's called a single premium rider, just like the old days. So that single premium, uh, in an instant, we're going to use this $10,000, $6,000 would single pay life insurance, pay it right up, and we wouldn't owe another penny on that. And that is immediately converted into cash value. Okay? So I, we're doing this background because I want you and everyone, all of our listeners, to understand how this mechanism is going to work, how we're going to get the unbelievable returns on investments that you can have without any risk whatsoever, using your own money and using yourself as the client. Vance, let me ask you a question. You talked about that 60-40 split, and I understand that first year. Is that 60-40 split something that you do every year? We do that, yes. Um, most uh, practitioners will have you do that throughout. We found an advantage of doing that for four years. And then we literally drop that paid-up additions rider because the base is now mature enough that every dollar you put in, let me put it this way, Eric, if I could show you an investment that in year five, every dollar you put in would automatically and immediately turn to $1.10 or $1.20, how many of those would you like? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're trying to, yeah, <laughs> as many as we can get. We're trying to turn a life insurance contract into a more than 100% efficient strategy. But I can't get there with that paid-up additions rider because there's a, load, a little bit of load against it. So we can only get to around 92 to 93, 95%. So if we strip it out, we can use that money for this a second contract to expand our bank and get more and more contracts into those fifth years. So the premium literally goes down by 60% uh, starting year five. And every time you put $4,000 in, how would you like your cash value to grow by 5000 
Okay, so that's why. And so uh, uh, we're, we're probably getting pretty close to the to the end here of this first podcast. But I want to set up before we close and then we can do any um, makeup, uh, Seth, that we might need to. The total amount that these people that we showed these uh, this client that they had to start their banking with these assets was eighty thousand dollars. Okay, and so we're going to come back and we're going to show you what $80,000 that was sitting idle can do for somebody if we wake it up. So that's, uh, I hope now, if you've written your little notes down and you've taken some of the, uh, the numbers that we're using, we're going to literally follow that and show what to do first, second, third. And this is what that uh, eight-year analysis does. It's a month-by-month roadmap. And, and let me just summarize for a second, just to kind of help focus the audience. We're talking about a family who thought they didn't have anything to start private banking with. They pulled 10000 from savings, 10000 from mutual funds, 25000 from IRAs. 35000 from equity in their home, and then the uh, they paid the minimum on their credit card, which gave them an extra 260 bucks, and they had another $600, about 80000 of total capital uh, that, they, that, that, that they were able to identify that could be put into the private bank and put to work for them. So that's what we're talking about here in this scenario. All right. Well, I know that this is going to be really, we're going to dive into it on that next podcast. But before then, you guys have a ton of resources on your website, a ton of resources that you personally use with folks. What's the best way to get a hold of some of these resources or reach out to you guys? Thanks, Eric. It's uh, www.privatebankingstrategies.com. And there we've got uh, all sorts of resources from uh, one-page uh, circumstance scenarios on blog articles to uh, email campaigns that they can uh, binge on to podcast to uh, all the way through down to the intake form where they're, if they're ready to schedule a call, they've, they've done all these things with us and they're, they're saying, this is the way I want to take it. Then they schedule a call with us. Perfect. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to that next podcast. You're welcome. We're looking forward to it too. <laughs> and of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Private Banking Strategies podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Vance and Seth come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And think about sharing this with somebody that may be in a, a similar situation to you financially. Maybe you see yourself in this story that, that they're going through right now. And this could be a possibility for you and, and maybe one of your friends. Because if you both get on the website, get a bunch of good information before that next podcast hits. Then listen to that one together and see if this is going to change your life. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Private Banking Strategies, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Did that story feel like it was about you? Do you feel you should be making more progress toward your financial goals? Do you feel stuck? Let us help you get unstuck. Are you ready to take action and get your own private bank? Please call Private Banking Strategies at 817-200-4777 or visit us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com. Thank you for listening to the Private Banking Strategies Podcast. 
Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of private banking strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment plan.